back after the vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me, it's Jack Eason. Hey, Steve, it's great to be here for another Coffin Joe day. Well, sort of. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Coffin Joe adjacent day. Coffin Joe adjacent, that's right. It's uh, Coffin Joe and then a little Coffin Jesus, I guess. Uh, also joining us, Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. Myros, I gotta tell you, I, uh, I had a hell of a birthday weekend. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, maybe six rows back center court at the Bucks game. That was cool. Um, maybe had a few too many drinks before, so I probably didn't enjoy it to the fullest extent. Um, also got tasered the same night, which I wasn't expecting. So, uh, Is this yeah, like an official was... tasering or like some sort of dare tasering? No, I, this was not something that I asked for. What, what am I, Johnny fucking Knoxville? I'm just like, well, yeah, I don't let's know. taser my balls. Frankly, that seems more likely uh, than, uh, you know, at least in my own life. If, I, if mm. I'm like drunk off my ass and someone was like, oh, I got a taser. It seems more likely that, that I could see that scenario unfolding than actually being tased by police. Yeah, well, I wasn't tased by the police either. So here's what happened. Uh, it was it was bar closed, so you know a bunch of myself included. We all kind of walked out to get our Ubers and whatnot, and waiting for an Uber. And it was it was raining, so we were under this like covered alcove. Basically, there's a shitload of people kind of packed into this area, and some woman somewhere was just talking about how oh you know i this neighborhood at you know at, at three in the morning it's just it's kind of sketchy and i'm glad i'm not walking home and blah 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 and then her male companion who was with her was just like oh no don't worry about it we'd be okay and he pulls a taser out of his pocket and he just like kind of like sparks it you know uh, real show of force so it's like there. A, for it's like a absolutely no Michelle one. Pfeiffer Catwoman type taser. Now not one that shoots out. No, it's not. A, it's not a shoot. It's more. I guess it'd be. Would that be a stun gun? Yeah, man? I don't know what. The yeah, fuck. I can. I don't know if civilians can buy the ones that shoot. They probably can because this is America. But I feel like they're. They can get anything. Yeah, this seems <laughs> what, like a fucking machine gun. I can't buy a fucking taser that shoots. Come on. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, then the woman was just like, "What is that real? Let me see that." She swipes it out of his hand and is just like sparking it and then unprompted. And I'm not even like facing her like my back is to her. She just rams the taser into my ass. What? <laughs> just tasers the person you know? No, a complete stranger. <laughs> took How? The taser from her friend and me, a person who did not have a single interaction with her. She just tasered the fuck out of my ass. So, so you had a criminal assault <laughs> this <Yeah>. weekend. <laughs> you should have like... So I was just like, I, I just like screamed and just, I, I like jumped 10 feet in the air like I was fucking like Daffy Duck getting burned Jesus. in the Looney Tunes or something. And then the girl was just like, holy shit, I'm sorry. I didn't think it was going to do that. I was just like, what the <laughs> fuck did you think it was gonna do is this is this girl worried about neighborhoods because she's just an anti-social nut job like at every yeah, i think she's worried about neighborhoods because she's fucking in it like <laughs> right. she's the problem <laughs> this is why people in america get like violently shot all the time i mean that's like, the comedy of you had a gun you know <laughs> you just stand your ground rights you'd have a legitimate case there yeah it was it was utterly bizarre like it's the strangest thing but yeah it's like Tinto happy birthday to me my ass got right tasered that's what it was well oh absolutely Tinto would never hurt the ass <laughs> was no. that a science uh the science class fantasy just saw that ass yeah. hanging out there had to take action now, if this was a Tinto brass movie it'd be a pov shot from the <laughs> taser extra soft lighting on my bare buttocks, <laughs> which is for some reason hanging out at three in the morning in a, a neighborhood in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in the middle of a rainstorm. Uh, be around. But we, you replaced Milwaukee with Venice. No, yeah, I don't know. No, we should do. We should, Steve, you should walk through a park in Milwaukee, you know, like the, the opening of Cheeky and just like mm -hmm. dress blowing up in the breeze, showing it all off, having a great time. Absolutely. Yeah. Not a lot of people know this. I've got a great ass. So you know, if someone's going to be the male Tinto brass protagonist of 2023, I think it should be me. Uh, but, you know, anyways, uh, yeah, my ass is OK. Thankfully, it's, it truly is my moneymaker. So 
I'm glad there wasn't permanent damage, but uh, I don't know. You might yeah, have a lawsuit man, like, your hands here, I think. Dude, I was I was fucking hammered. Like I that's the thing too, is like I, I just I I didn't even think like I screamed and then I just got in the Uber and I was just like, did I just get tasered? And it was one of those moments where, you know, everybody just kind of had to collect themselves and be like, yes, that actually did just happen. It was fucking weird. <laughs> Steve, you, you have real problems when you go out to bars. Man has been yeah, tasered and roofied. What <laughs> 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 type of guy tried to like fucking fight me for no oh, reason? Yeah, yeah. Uh, bat- <laughs> this is a- another problem. And now, given there are many, many reasons that I should be uh, tasered or assaulted or um, perhaps an angry man comes after me for something I said. It, totally reasonable. But the one time we were in a bar, and Jack, this was uh, back in the, the golden age of going to bars where you could smoke inside. And I, I, didn't, I had my cigarettes, but I didn't have a lighter. And I asked some woman who I'd seen smoking earlier, I was like, oh, could I have a light? And she goes, sure. And she just gives me her lighter. I light the cigarette give it back to her. Don't even say anything. Like go to like, just walk away from the table. And her boyfriend immediately stands up and literally like flips the table. Like he's in fucking roadhouse or something. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Absolutely astonishing shit. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I just have one of those faces or one of those asses where you see it and you just, you want to beat the shit out of it. So, I, I mean, guess, this speaks you know, fantastically to the, the spirit of the first film we're actually discussed about the sickness in society. And drugs. Yeah, a lot of Cigarettes are a drug. Yeah. Uh, they are. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, real, real sicko movie uh, that, that speaks to just all the problems we have in the world. Because really the biggest problems are the media and hard psychedelic drugs that's that's what we're i don't think with. you guys got the uh, message of this movie because uh, <laughs> there weren't even any hard psychedelic drugs the, 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 what the movie is preaching is the drugs are in fact not the issues yeah no the, the the implication of hard psychedelic drugs uh, so yeah we're of course talking about and by of course i mean i don't think a lot of people have seen this one but uh the awakening of the beast and this is i, I think this is like the first movie that he made post initial run of like official coffin joe movies now not not counting the uh um uh, the the anthology the, what, what was it anthology yeah sorry my but I, I got tasered man i'm a little fried uh yeah so awakening of the beast and this is wild and i guess we're gonna have to find out because another thing little inside baseball for you here on the show when we decide we're gonna do something we just say we're gonna do it we don't really like think about it beforehand. <laughs> Just slows us down. So we were like, oh, Arrow box set. Oh, Coffin Joe movies. Because the, the box sets, it says Coffin Joe in the name. We're like, well, we'll just do all the ones in the box set. And then we figure out, one, there's at least one confirmed Coffin Joe, like actual fucking Coffin Joe movie that's not in the box set that's coming yeah, out. Yeah. And two, a lot of the shit that's in the box set while it is in desperate need of, of restoration, so God bless Arrow for that, and they're not Coffin Joe movies, so what are we doing here? Awakening of the Beast, I, it's somewhere in between these things. This is we uh, call but, a Coffin Joe movie, I say. It's, yeah, I think it's Coffin Joe yeah, I think there's three other films in the box set, two of which we watched this week, uh, that I, I really can't see any way to call them coffin show films no no this one at least we can we can kind of twist it towards that but uh what a bizarre fucking movie uh essentially it's about we what is it about uh well there's a psychiatrist and he's got four volunteers because he is convinced that coffin joe is uh i don't know some sort of like drain on society who's uh, increasing the levels of perversion and sadism in brazil uh, and then you've got a like a tv show within the movie it's like a panel show mm-hmm. uh and and this is actually this is like shot in a really interesting way because it's not like we're just taken to the panel show and it's it's part of the movie it's actually like the camera is stationary like fixed on a television showing us this show but it's a group of people going back and forth uh kind of attacking 
Jose Mojica uh, Marines slash Coffin Joe. They kind of go back and forth between calling him Coffin Joe and Jose and talking about all the terrible things that he does. So you've got the, the experimental uh, tests going on with the psychiatrist, and then you've got Coffin Joe being attacked by these hoity-toity figures in Brazilian society. And then a lot of this back and forth is you're like, what? What the fuck is going on? It's just like stark black and white photography and here's a a test subject like walking into a room and just undressing and you're just like, okay. (laughs) So you spent like a whole hour and the whole time, and I I don't know about you guys, but the whole time for me, I'm going, when 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 is it going to start? What is <laughs> see? I, I was like in the middle. Like, it, see, I, at the beginning, yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is the best. This is the best thing ever." I don't know what the fuck's happening, but it's fucking amazing. When yeah. it's just like hanging out with these beatniks who are just fucking doing drugs and shoving their heads up uh, women's skirts, like that yeah, whole yeah. opening sequence and the second one with the fucking when they're actually like playing instruments. I was like, okay. Yep, I'm on board for this. But then, <laughs> yeah, it, it opens with a series of perversions, essentially mostly just like sex mm-hmm. orgies kind of thing, some violence. But it kind of it opens with you know a predatory film guy like preying on a young actor, a young woman, like you know trying to trade well, that's later, sex. Yeah, I don't even. The oh, opening oh, that, is that the most later. bizarre thing where it's just like you're just following this woman who's like shooting heroin into her foot. And then right. it like mm-hmm. pulls out, do. and this is like four fifty-year-old creeps just like sitting in her living room, like. And the like, shooting the heroin scene is probably one of the most upsetting things I've seen in a movie because it looks like she's never done that before. It just you're just it just looks like at any moment she's gonna break that needle because like, it looks she's really putting a needle in her foot there. Yeah, it's, it's like they very had uncomfortable. But yeah, it's it it opens on like a series of of you know debaucherous acts. And it's kind of like you're just you're thrown into it and it's like, what yeah. the hell is happening? It's all in black and white and vividly shot and like the camera kind of swings around. It's this very like gonzo almost presentation of a lot of it. And then we have Steve, like I mean, technically, I suppose it's like there's two um, interviews cut <laughs> in and one of them is mm-hmm. within the film, I think shot for the film because it frames the narrative of the film, the fictional narrative of the film, which is, yeah, it's uh, Jose Mujica Marin's as himself, as a guest in this show, talking to an interviewer and also a doctor, and the doctor is talking about how he feels that, you know, drugs are causing great evils in society, and he focused on uh, Marines as this kind of, like, coffin Joe, as this uh, incredible kind of focal point in Brazilian culture now that kind of is used to elicit strong reactions, and he feels it will be useful for reasons that are never very convincing, that he wants to give four people LSD and then expose them to Coffin Joe to see what yeah. happens, to prove <laughs> no. to prove a thesis, of which is unclear. Yeah. There is then in the <laughs> middle of the film a separate TV broadcast, which for all I know is an actual Brazilian TV show. I have no idea. Mm. Of which basically it is uh, Jose Mujica Marines on trial, essentially. It's like, it's, it's like a show format where they discuss a, a celebrity character, in this case obviously Marines, and then there's like an audience, I guess, of ever a jury of everyday Brazilians who have to determine whether or not he's like pro or negative to to Brazilian society, <laughs> and and they vote that he's he's great. And I I love that sequence because and like you say, it is literally it's like a camera pointed at a television, which is why I'm wondering if it's an actual broadcast that he filmed right. or like a tape he got, and just like the only way you could figure out to get it on camera was to film it playing elsewhere. I you know I genuinely mm. don't know. Um, but it's really funny because it's also an excuse for him to slot in that, like, the great Brazilian new wave director, Glauber Roca, considers uh, Coffin Joe to be, or, or Jose Mojica Marines, to be a true primitivist, a, a true filmmaker. And, uh, you know, he, he just leaves that bit in, in the middle of his own movie, just like, <laughs> I'm great, which is incredible. You know, people people laud, like, uh, Chai Liang and Paul Schrader for, like, voting for their own movies in the sight and sound polls. But I don't think either of them have just left in complimentary quotes about themselves in the middle of their movies. This guy's... Yeah. Marines is on a whole other level. And then from there, we, we, we framed the whole thing, lots of debaucherous acts giving LSD to some people and exposing them to Coffin Joe and to see what happens. And then the back half of the movie is just 
insanity. It, it switches to color and it's just like insane horror imagery, untethered for anything. And it it's brilliant. It's amazing. I love oh, it. Yeah. But it's like... And, I, I would say this movie goes from just like... I, I I wouldn't say dull, but it's it's just it's so like confusing, certainly confusing in its approach. And, and you really are, you know, it's I, I don't know. It's like watching a fucking jam band. I'm like, when's the song going to start? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the last 30 minutes are you're like, oh, this is the best thing he's ever made. Yeah, yeah it's, it's honestly like the drugs kick in, like, honestly, even yeah. though at the end, the reveal is like Adam mentioned, it's that there were no drugs. Everyone just drank distilled water and the sickness that they, everyone's talking about is actually just exists independently. Coffin Joe is just yeah. a conduit for what's already there, if anything. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is the brilliance of him as a filmmaker, too. And this is why Awakening of the Beast, it's hundred percent worth the initial confusion to get to this just because the whole thing is is constructed around this idea that like he was getting all this pushback by the brazilian government because i think it was like was it like 65 to 85 they were basically under like a military dictatorship and they were not coffin joe fans they being the brazilian government the awakening of the beast was banned by the government um he was allegedly like dragged in by the military and, and interviewed about the movie. And uh, basically he was given shit. And on top of that, there wasn't a lot of great funding for his movies. So from authority figures, there was a lot of pushback against what he was doing, but he was still beloved by the average Brazilians. So it's fun because not only is he highlighting that, but the whole second half of the movie is him saying, not only am I what you think I am, I'm actually far worse. I'm a real fucking demon. So fuck you. <laughs> it's just amazing. And if, if, if almost anyone else did this, you'd be like, this is the most egotistical bullshit I've ever seen. And it just works with him. And I don't know why. I think it, it, it works because I think like Glauber Roca famously said, uh, he's, he's a true primitivist filmmaker. He's he's a, a genuine like self-generated icon. And I think that really is the key to it. I mean, this film is absolutely Waking of the Beast is, is absolutely uh, him making the case for his own myth or or I guess expanding his myth while while discussing it. Um. And yeah, I think it works. It works for two reasons. Like, firstly, because I think he is such a singular figure, such a completely unique figure within Brazilian culture and within horror cinema writ large. He's he's kind of like just one of those rare kind of flash of lightning, just sort of like focal points as everything came together. But also because the the, the scenes here, the, the horror sequences, particularly once it switches to color and it becomes this vivid, you know, cacophony of madness. It's 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 amazing it's it's just incredibly done like i mean it's it's just marines is just gifted at this it's remarkable mm -hmm. just like as we mentioned in you know at, at this night i'll possess your corpse this with the visit to hell sequence which is absolutely just an incredible deployment of motion cinema it's just it, it just it's incredible experience to have that just come at you from nowhere it's kind of the same yeah. idea but this is even bigger and longer and and more grandiose and it's just it's it's just amazing and it's more fucking <laughs> yeah. technically insane too like he's just sure it's fucking jump cut to high hell the editing in this section is like it's just a complete trip uh it, it's wonderful yeah. I think you guys might be selling the early portion of the film short. I mean, there is, like, one of these sequences illustrating debauchery does involve, like, a middle-aged woman who's, like, watching her uh, servants bang while she has, like, a fucking mule in her bedroom. Like, I, did, I did note that down because there. that was, like, a weirdly... And, and I do wonder, um, it reminded me a lot of uh, Barov Checks the Beast... But that came out like three years, I think, later than this. But it has all mm -hmm. it's all the same elements, basically horse sex and servants fucking um, is like all the same notes being hit. And I do wonder if Borovchek maybe had managed to see. I have, I have no idea whether this, you know, film played internationally or festivals or whatever, but it was a really interesting point. There, There's definitely there. There are 
interesting elements to the earlier it's just I, I suppose it's just so freeform like to talk about it being confusing it's just sort of like you you really wrong foots you you know i mean yeah. there's also yeah. I, I really love the the scene as i discussed the the like disgusting filmmaker guy who's trying to have sex with a young actress is like a scene where he just he just snorts enormous line of coke and then just starts methodically just chowing down on this massive God, plate this of spaghetti, spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like oh and this she's is like her, her internal monologue is literally like well, if I sleep with him, I'll have plenty of pasta. <laughs> God damn it. This movie. <laughs> it's hard to argue with yeah, that. Yeah, I think Morris, I, I, for me, like what's disorienting about this may well be addressed uh, in the next month here because a lot of that televised stuff, less so the, the end, but the, the talking heads like with the doctor and, and Marin's that footage looks, it's like, it actually looks kind of cool, but, but it doesn't look the way it's supposed to, I can guarantee. Like, it is just mm. pitch dark, and you can't see yes. anything that's happening. So, yeah, that becomes quite disorienting. Um, yeah, I, again, I'll be very interested to see what it looks like uh, properly restored, but it, it, it's not an issue here like it is in uh, specifically one of the movies we'll be discussing uh, as far as the look. Because it's degraded in a way that, that almost makes it kind of uh, spooky uh, in a in a really mm -hmm. rewarding way, but it is uh, it does have the effect of, of really uh, kind of confusing you if you're not paying attention. Because you're like, what the fuck is this thing? black and white floating <laughs> head in the dark abyss? Like, what's happening? Yeah, a lot a lot of dark abysses, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it, this is interesting, and it will key into I think another film that we're going to discuss next episode, the bloody exorcism of Coffin Joe, and it's I think it's really interesting. I wasn't expecting it with this one, but um, there there is this metatextual element to Coffin Joe as he develops because he obviously was just such an enormous figure in Brazil, and like Steve mentioned, was from that came under political scrutiny, and he started to make his case in his movies. Mm -hmm. um, while also satisfying the, the visceral thrills audience were expecting, but almost, you know, mythologizing himself, but also arguing for his, his own, you know, the value of it. Like, look, you know, the, the reason I do this isn't necessarily because I'm all messed up or whatever. It's because people want to see it because that's, that's the reality. I mean, as they say, it's not the drugs. It's people just want to see fucked up shit. They want horror. They want to be scared and grossed out and stuff. And that's, that's just natural. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's this really interesting kind of metatextual strain running through his cinema. And I think, you know, it's something I'm looking forward to exploring a little more because, you know, it puts you in mind of something like, say, I've always considered something like Wes Craven's New Nightmare to be like this really revelatory, self-reflexive horror film. And I know there's examples prior as well, but I think really New Nightmare kind of, you know was this really intelligent reworking of iconic material and moving it out into the real world and kind of discussing its context to an audience and, you know, it's, it's it, you know, position in the media space and the popular culture, you know, and that came out, what, uh, in the early 90s, I think, before yeah. Scream, certainly the movie that took like all the plaudits for being self-reflexive, etc. And I, I've never liked the Scream movie as much as I like New Nightmare. But it's really interesting to watch Coffin Joe doing something somewhat similar in 1970 and and i think partially par partially i think because he's a canny filmmaker he's a canny artist but also pa partially because probably felt he had to to you know because he would probably face the possibility of getting shut down or worse you know i mean a military mm -hmm. junta who who the hell knows what they're gonna do uh so you tread lightly but i guess he he had enough popular support. He's like, maybe I, you know, put, stick my neck out, see what happens. And what happens right. is uh, in a month's time, we're all going to be watching shiny new restorations of these movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love how uh, just the reveal at the end is that no one was on LSD. Everything was a placebo. And the fact, like, if you just look at a poster for a Coffin Joe movie, specifically The Strange World of Coffin Joe, which seemed like an interesting choice, uh, you're going to have a nightmarish psychedelic freak yeah, out. Like, yeah. that's that's just yeah. a side effect. You have to fucking deal with oh, it. Another fun thing in this movie as well is, is it's another of those great movies where uh, he brings all of the people to go watch uh, This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse. I always love when a filmmaker has you watch another one of their movies mm -hmm. in their movie. 
it's rare <laughs> rare you can work that in but when you do it it must feel great yeah it, it like makes that, a lot yeah. more sense how he uh, the comparisons to freddy krueger uh emerge here for sure yes like, oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. well uh, i i guess you're probably wondering you know where where does coffin joe go next and the answer is we don't fucking know because <laughs> we've replaced him if coffin joe is satan then on the other side you've got jose mahika marines as jesus christ himself aka finis hominis <laughs> yes well is it, the end of man it's this one is <laughs> funny um yeah, so, so essentially, I mean, this one opens, uh, The End of Man, a.k.a. Finnis Hominis, uh, opens with Coffin Joe intros. Coffin Joe's back again. But uh, it then is a completely different character, still played by Marines, but um, it's, it's really weird because he's become this, like, holy seer, uh, almost, um, who goes around... Who's dressed like fucking Sinbad. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah <laughs> dressed, I think, dressed like um, a 70s conception of a... Of a Indian holy man, I guess, I think would be, you yeah. know, like this is right out of like Beatles went to India in the, in the 60s. And I think, you know, that was percolating mm -hmm. around and just a lot of goofy. Yeah, I wasn't talking about the comedian, by the way. I was going with like Westernization of yes, Indian yeah. person. <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah. Sinbad should dress up more like this. It will do, do really mm -hmm. well. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah all that stuff percolating around. And I, I think it's it's just really funny because essentially Finis Ominous is this just he just shows up naked at the start of the movie and he just walks around. And people just start following him or being drawn to him because of his mysteriousness. And what's really funny is he he basically he has a message to preach to everyone. But the message is literally the same message as Cough and Joe, except without the emphasis on like purity of bloodlines and reproduction. But the rest of it's pretty much the mm -hmm. same thing it's like there you know life is excuse enough of itself everything is materialist you know don't you know rely on gods and things you know you're here yourself that's existentialist kind of message but yeah he just he just walks around i i think it's really funny like the opening of it is basically like he just shows up naked but you don't see who he is for the longest time but they do like close-ups of like a unibrow and you're like oh it's 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 marines playing this is who that is. <laughs> i don't know if he got a body double for some of the new things i think he might have but uh yeah his ass ain't that good there's no way yeah i mean taking from steve the man who would know but yeah this it's mm -hmm. it's a strange departure and this is like a weird absurdist comedy because effectively it's it's i mean to discuss this in any way we have to discuss the the twist conclusion and the twist conclusion of Phoenix Hominis is that it turns out that this this holy seer imparting knowledge to the world basically at the end of the movie he just kind of wanders out and we don't know where he's going and he returns to the mental hospital where the doctors are awaiting his return because he routinely escapes and he just goes quietly mm -hmm. back into his room in the mental asylum and that's you know which haha I, I gotta say, another example, uh, much like Awakening of the Beast, where, I don't know, if this was like a fucking student film script, and I saw this, it's like, and the twist is, he's not the messiah, he escaped from a mental hospital. I'd be like, this is the most hack shit ever, fucking rewrite. <laughs> yeah. And I'm kind of okay with it here, and I, I don't even know, and I, I should be, you know, completely forthright here, and just say that, like, I did not enjoy the end of man and, and the sequel when the gods fall asleep, I think as much as, as you two did. I don't, I don't hate either one of these movies, but um, yeah, again, this is an example of <laughs> a filmmaker where you're like, okay, every element here should not work at all. And I should in fact be appalled by this bullshit. And yet it just, it just fucking works um, because this is like, I don't know if, if coffin, if the, the first, three movies we covered are sort of his you know gothic gonzo pure horror era it's almost like he transitions into like real hardline political commentary but it's more tied to what i think u.s audiences were used to seeing in like 1950s and 60s drug films you know like drug exploitation films that's what a lot of this feels like or some of the like fucking beatnik bullshit, like I don't know, like an American hippie in Israel. That's what this feels like yeah. at times. It's it's a completely confusing film because I mean, it as I say, it carries with it Joe's standard materialist message, you know, to trust in ourselves and to live and so on and so forth. But he also at one point does seemingly raise a man from the dead. 
So mm-hmm. who's to say what's happening? Who's to say? Yeah. And then it's like, are we just getting into like doofus stoner stuff too? Or it's just like, maybe Jesus wasn't Jesus at all. Maybe he was just a crazy guy. Or maybe if Jesus was real, but he was around today, they just throw him in the psych ward. Maybe there's a Jesus out there right now, just locked up in a straight jacket. Like, like this is the kind of harebrained bullshit that, that fucking like idiot 19 year old stoners in 2006 would fucking think up. I mean, what if it was a stranger and- on a bus? It's <laughs> like think. one of us. Makes you think. It's the ultimate, like, makes you think guy fucking movie. And I still don't completely hate it. So uh, shout out to Jose. He uh, doing the Lord's work here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it works. It's just because, I mean, it's an absurdist parable. And I think he leans into mm-hmm. it. So, you know, it's it's taken in that spirit. I think there's there's still plenty to enjoy here. I mean, it's, stuff does happen. He does uncover uh, like a murder plot of like a woman who wants to murder her impotent husband so she can give money to a gang that she's a part of, maybe, I'm not 100% sure. There is a hospital where this, like, little girl is, like, bleeding out in in the emergency room while the doctors are, like, upstairs, like, betting on, like, listening to horse racing and shit. Like, really, like, it's, like, very broad social critique. But, you know, in, in Stroll's Finnish Hominist to, to fix things, that true girl was magic materialism. Out. I thought she was, like, a victim of a tragic chocolate sauce accident. <laughs> she, yeah, it's, she got that everywhere. It's uh, it's pretty wild. Real, yeah, I thought it was just a nasty tummy ache. <laughs> just took down too much Hershey's syrup. <laughs> maybe you should have done that uh, scene in black and white. Because yeah, maybe it doesn't read. Yeah, <laughs> this movie is fully in color. I think it's the first full color. Uh, well, it's not. Marines it's, film. This scene. one switches. I mean, there's there's a couple yeah. little switch. cuts. Yeah, I'd forgotten. Uh, yeah, there's there's some black and white bits here, but I think this is his oh, first right, yes. majority color film. Yeah. It's like ninety percent. That's right. Again, I, like, he's I took doing, a note he's here. using it a little less uh, elegantly here, where it's kind of like the world is black and white until Fitness Omnibus walks on frame, and then yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I, I I think it plays in a little bit. Yes, because you're right. Because the news, because there's the news is reporting of like this strange man being sighted, and a lot of the the news reporters is in black and white. And I don't know if that's to give, that's how people in Brazil would see the news. They would see it on television, which would still have been a majority of black and white medium at the time. Or if like Adam's saying, it's to create that feeling of, you know, that the news is black and white and distorted and dry and, and real, real life is vivid and vibrant and ambiguous. Um, not, not a hundred percent sure. It's a little bit confusing and maybe not particularly convincing. I don't think anything about the movie is, particularly convincing like i think you'd have to be kind of nuts to really have this movie this be the movie that like this one really opened my eyes it'd be crazy but i mean it is it is very funny i mean there's a great scene where phineas hominis wanders into a catholic church and just pours himself a chalice of wine and just starts sipping it while walking around it's like yeah cool and I think I think any Catholic who says they haven't thought about that is fucking lying. Oh, 100 percent. And he's still naked at that also, point. Also, uh, <laughs> oh yes. My yes. Uh, what what is the most lucrative like industry you could possibly be a part of? And for me, I think it would be the wine supplier for the Catholic Church. Like quality does not matter at all. Low ABV, just crank it out. It does. Is it red? Is it wet? Does it? You know? Is it? legally wine good sell it to the fucking catholic church uh, that is the that's the uh, dream see, job. i think you i think you're discounting the fact that the catholic church is like running out of money except what they're i'm sure hoarding in vatican city <laughs> the, the billions that they're hoarding in vatican yeah, city well, doesn't I mean, find it's, its way over to the wine suppliers these days i, I think you would yeah, have had a great gig up until like the year 2000 and now it's probably getting a little lean yeah. It's a cash yeah. flow problem because, yeah, they, they don't have a lot of income, like money circulating through, but everything in the Vatican is made of gold. Yeah. It's just sort yeah. of like it's it's tricky, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. It's like they got they got their money tied up in, in other shit. You know, it's it's like a guy who takes, you know, a, a really high paying job, but like 80 percent of it is tied to stock. It's like, Well, fuck. I mean, what are you going to do? It is, it's like those but people yeah, on I mean, Twitter complaining. It's like it's actually really expensive being rich because my house costs like eight million dollars. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that would be expensive. You know, I don't have a lot of free money after I pay for my my mortgage and my eight holidays. Uh, yep, <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, man. It's Just tough. like me.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Catholic Church, I feel like the other thing they could do too, like obviously just, you know, snap off a piece of the Vatican, sell it. You got a little cash flow there. But the thing people aren't talking about either is you go to Europe, every single church in Europe has like a fucking relic in the basement. Like, oh, this is uh, Joseph's big toe. We just got it in a, in a fucking box down here in the basement of this church in Portugal. Everybody's got one of those. Yeah, well, Mary Magdalene's toenails, uh, fucking Jesus's, uh, you know, front teeth, all this shit. I'm, I'm not 100% sure around. of the process, but I feel like the central Catholic Church has to, like, guard the saints and things like that. You know, pretty much, like, yeah. St. Patrick famously is one of the only, like, democratically demanded saints that Ireland just went, he's a saint. And the Catholic Church is like, look, that country, we, we got him sewn up, sure whatever have them but i think like the relic <laughs> industry the relic side of catholicism i feel like that's really unregulated and real local so i think that just requires mm-hmm. a couple of priests somewhere every you know every place has a few and it's like what do we, we need couple, we need yeah. yeah we need a skull and a backstory yeah mm-hmm. that's that's a great yeah. and a nice case to put it in it's like i'd like to know the <laughs> providence of 99 uh, of relics that's why they keep it the fucking it's never a box either it's just like oh no you you can't actually see the toenail it's it's under that rock over there we don't we don't move the rock it's it's there though it would be bad (laughs) yeah just fucking go hail mary over there man the toenail hear you that's you're good um anyways yeah finis hominis a movie with this kind of like goofball ending of your savior from the sea just walking back into the, the mental hospital and you're like, okay. Um, yeah. Ca- ca- definitely a, a minor work of Jose Mojica Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting not, one nonetheless, that, especially yeah, considering yeah. the context of like this man being shunned by polite uh, Brazilian society and is like, oh, you know, I mean, to make a horror movie, how about if <laughs> I make a movie wherein I am Christ? <laughs> I mean, I think there's some really funny stuff, too. I mean, he does literally go into, like, a hippie commune and basically teaches them to love money, yeah. which is extremely yeah, funny, that's pretty awesome. especially once, once you come around to the fact that, as I think most people of our age have learned, is that the hippies are all really rich and they all, like, they kind of cashed in because, you know, economy is good, the boomer times... Uh, you know, it was like free love mm-hmm. in the 60s and it was like buy a house for half nothing and now it's worth $800,000 or whatever and, you know, like, that's, it was easier to be a hippie back then, you know, it was great, well, we shun material items, but also we've got them all now. Uh, so it just yeah. feels like, yeah, this they're all able to transition out of that and just become normal fucking like housewives and nine to fivers. So, yeah, yeah good yeah. on them. It was, well, yeah, you know, they still like few of them. They still hold is like, oh, I'm I'm a hippie. You know, I consider myself a hippie. I still wear sandals. I still, you know, just drive the same old beat up car. And, you know, they have like, you know, they, they go home to their their house. It's like worth X many, many dollars. And they've got a whole bunch of other things. And half them work in academia now or. You know, mm-hmm. where they got in early enough that you could and they got tenure and stuff. It's like there's a very specific subset of like still hippie and they are universally just wealthy white people. So I just I kind of oh, enjoy yeah. this. There's an entire TV show uh, in, in in the 80s. Family Ties. Well, that's what it's about. Oh, yeah. yeah. They got like four fucking kids. One of them's fucking little Republican Michael J. Fox. Uh, and, and the whole joke is, is like Michael J. Fox is a straight laced Republican. And his parents are ex-hippies who now hold down jobs and have a massive house and a bunch of fucking kids. And uh, it's such bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Truly the worst yeah, of all Americans, uh, this, this subset. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fuck any boomer. Uh, well, I mean, fuck all the boomers, but also specifically the ones who used to be hippies and then uh, turned into, I don't know, subprime mortgage lenders yeah, or whatever yeah. the fuck they do. <laughs> two, two other things I like about this movie. Firstly, worth mentioning that uh, Phoenix Hominis' theme tune appears to just be raindrops keep falling on my head, which is oh, yeah. disconcerting to say the least. And also, mm-hmm. secondly, I and I, I feel like I need to do more research on this, do, do Brazilian police routinely use Volkswagen Beetles to drive around? <laughs> like the, It's a Volkswagen Beetle cop car in this movie. I've never seen that yeah. before. Well, I mean, you know, Herbie the Love Bug, famously one of the fastest cars of all time. And uh, why not? If you, <laughs> you if the you're police cop, saw that and they were like, we need a fleet of these motherfuckers. I could say, I mean, let's say that like your, your country has been taken over by a military dictatorship 
and they're just thinking of different ways to flex on society. And they're like, yeah, did you did you see Herbie the Love Bug? That Jesus guy fucking cleaned up. Christ, imagine getting fucking slapped in handcuffs and turfed into the back of a fucking Volkswagen beat. <laughs> It'd be fun now too, because the uh, the I don't I mean I don't think they make them anymore, but the last run of them that they did, they they would put those like plastic flowers or whatever oh, yeah. <laughs> on the dashboard. <laughs> so some cop is just like slamming your face against the hood of his beetle, and then it's got incredible a way to, to to like just get rid of of you know credibility for political protesters. You're yeah smashing up against your flower covered VW bug, and then put him in the back. Mm-hmm the sensible rear seat of that thing and driving away yeah see yep, we this exactly. this is a good note on the music we haven't really mentioned it in in either episode thus far but it is certainly a, a distinction amongst his his films that he, he probably had no money uh for music so everything is just kind of this bizarre like reused public domain stuff like yeah andel's messiah is just yeah he uses a lot of religious music music and this one music box team that occurs and this like across multiple films the same music appears i think you got some wagner (laughs) i'm just like what the fuck is this music it never uh fits i mean occasionally you'll get some like more dissonant instrumental tracks that are are very appropriate but then yeah especially when he's feeling a little playful it's like here comes Handel's Messiah, and you're like, what in God's name are we doing? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fucking wild. And the other thing about this, too, is it's it's definitely a movie that you watch and you go, mm, it doesn't need a sequel. Feels very contained to me. Yeah. So wouldn't you know, a year later, what else do we get from old Jose Mojica Marines? We get a sequel when the gods fall asleep, and uh, boy, was this one popular! Uh, it, it, I don't think it was at all. Uh, it, it definitely has a lower budget than the previous two movies, which is saying something. Uh, don't think it had the level of preservation that the previous two films had because I, I am genuinely looking forward to watching this in the Arrow box set because holy shit. Like the copy we got, and I believe this was the better of yeah. the two copies yeah. available that we were able to find, hard-coded English subs, and it looks like a copy of a copy of a copy of a VHS tape that was taped off of TV, and then someone took a fucking belt sandal to it. <laughs> this is the literal copy we watched is, is in 1994, at least, when it was released. Who knows when they put it. 1994 something weird VHS. That's... That's what it is, and I think maybe they they transferred it to DVD later, but it's the same image, like it's not upscaled, and and it will be this. It's going to be a revelation for the Arrow. But if you look at the notes on the Arrow set, this movie is coming not from original camera negative or from an interpositive or anything like that. It's coming from the only known thirty five millimeter print in existence. It's, 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 so it's literally like a print that plays. So this one's going to look rough and add the Arrow set too just because they they couldn't get anything prior like they it's going to be a cleaned up print distribution print but it's still going to look at like a revelation compared to what we watched i'm sure but like yeah this mm-hmm. movie geez I, I this this is close to lost if there was one print available yeah i actually thought it was my problem because i i put it on and i was watching this on a different tv than i watched the other two and i was like oh there's something wrong with the brightness here. What are you going to make an adjustment? I'm like, nope, it's not me. Yeah, there are scenes this in this movie. Just fucked. There are scenes in this movie that are in a dark graveyard, and uh, we couldn't say exactly what happens throughout those bits. Yeah, you, want, you want to be a TV guy who's like, I got to check the black levels on my television. Here's a great one. It's just, it's all black. Yeah, I, uh, we had to reach into our very deepest coffers to get, get any copy of this fucking thing. And yeah, we, we do. Yeah, and I want people to understand, too, like, we could find yeah, shit, yeah. okay? Like, we, th- this is probably the hardest we've had to work for it's something. It's up there, for sure. And, it, and keep in mind, as, as Jack mentioned, we actually also have a second, even worse copy, which is it's just astounding to consider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's wild. This thing's going to be on Blu-ray in January. Uh, that's, like, yeah. incredible to move from that, from, like, sub-VHS comedy copy to, to a Blu-ray is, uh, 
This is a full kudos to Arrow for this thing. Whether or not it's a Coffin Joe movie or not, or it belongs in a Coffin Joe set, th this is a genuine work of preservation just to get it out yeah. there. I, I guess that 35 mil print's going to fall apart at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess this makes me a little nervous for a film I'm really looking forward to, which is uh, Bloody Exorcism of Coffin Joe, because that's not in the box set. And it makes you wonder why and what the copy of that's I think it's a HD like. copy we've oh, okay. got. I think, it I think it played on Brazilian TV. So this, I, oh, I wow. don't know why it wouldn't have been in the set. I don't know if it's got some rights issues or something. It's, it's strange, yeah, because I mean, why isn't that in the set? It's literally about Coffin well, Joe. Well, because we're probably going to, based on Coffin, or Coffin Joe, based on Jose Marin's use of rights-free music, I, it makes me wonder if, I don't know. He just plays fucking Freebird during one of the scenes. <laughs> he just goes full astrologer and just, yeah. yeah just, <laughs> I, just fuck it. Yeah. I mean, that that's definitely something that could happen. Uh, that is seems possible. like it'd be something right up his alley. Yeah. Uh, just speculating here. Again, we've been doing this whole podcast series blind, so we can only speculate. Yeah, episode three, we, um, we were, unfortunately, we did a little more research after the Finnis <laughs> uh, debacle here, but... Yeah, I, I yeah. think my theory on this film as to what the hell it is and why it looks like this and why it exists is similar to the one Coffin Joe movie that we are not going to cover, uh, which is uh, Hallucinations of a Deranged Mind, which is in the Arrow set, but is uh, largely notorious for being a collection of unrelated uh, offcuts of prior Coffin Joe films. It's basically... B-roll, you know, yeah, things that were censored or just not used uh, that were cobbled together into like the loosest of narratives. And to me, this feels a lot like uh, he, he took what, what he didn't use for the uh, uh, Finnis Hominis, uh, Hominis and uh, just was like, well, fuck it. We got enough here. Uh, look, there's a, there's a parade coming through town. We'll film that. We'll stitch in <laughs> some stuff with me and uh, call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there is there is a difference between um, when the gods fall asleep and, and Phoenix Hominis. And there's a very clear urban rural divide between the two films. And Phoenix Hominis is very much a kind of urban set, much more, a lot more kind of like urbane, cosmopolitan white people are the subject of his his preaching or whatever whereas in uh, when the gods fall asleep he is much more out in, in rural parts of brazil there's a lot more black and indigenous people visible he covers like he he interrupts a satanic cult of some on they, they specifically refer to that they worship satan i don't know i was i was doing some research on this because they had a statue for a guy known as Coralco uh, Peneroxa, which I did some research and found that, or sorry, Caboclo are are like entities of like an Afro-Brazilian religion, uh, Candomblé or uh, what is it, Umbanda, I believe. So, so I I don't know, but they do specifically in the in the in the dialogue refer to Satan. So I I don't know. It's a weird thing, and I guess maybe Coffin Joe doesn't care because he doesn't seem like a very religious man. So I'm not sure he's particularly <laughs> concerned about the details of any of these. But uh, there's some interesting like Afro Brazilian religious depictions here that I think are are interesting. But it does feel like this is almost like I you know I don't know if it's necessarily a good idea that he made a whole new film of Finis Hominis doing his thing. But it does feel like maybe the drive of this was hey, it's not just the urban centers that need my message of materialism uh, the, the 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 rural areas also need me i need to show up at, at these places and tell people you know to grow up and stop worshiping god or whatever i'm not exactly sure what his message actually is um though he says pretty much the same thing in every every movie the intro is almost always the same it's like you know what is real what is blood what is this and it's like ah tell me coffin joe uh, but you know, uh, you know, he, it's, it's it's some kind of generic uh, existential messaging. But the, the what's interesting here, there's a couple of like really I think fun elements in this. One of the things he does in this movie that I thought was really cool is he cuts like this giant painting of Jesus on on the ground, like a big religious painting on the ground, and then he almost immediately afterwards cuts to another giant painting on the ground, but this one is of a soccer player, and, and there's a little thing saying, you know, football brings the world together, and it's like, is <laughs> if that isn't Brazil in a nutshell, right there, like Jesus, and then 
possibly like an a, an effigy of Pele or some generic, maybe more generic <laughs> soccer player. But, you know, there's that in there. And there's also a subplot through When the Gods Fall Asleep, which is that his, the, the insane asylum or mental hospital or whatever the hell it is, it, it, that, that host him uh, is running out of money we learn and they're, they're going to have to close down because they don't have any money. But every this happens all the time, but they always at the last minute get a check from a from a mysterious donor that covers <laughs> all the hospital's expenses. But that check isn't coming this time. And they're like, oh, we're going to have to close down. We're running out of money. But the reason it doesn't come, of course, is because Phoenix Hominis is out doing his stuff out in the <laughs> sticks because he is the mysterious donor. And he comes back and he just gives the doctor a check to keep the place running and then returns to his cell, which essentially means that the madman owns the madhouse, which kind of mm-hmm. changes the relationship. Maybe he's not so mad after all. Mm, makes you think. Well, hey, well, he's kind of bad with his money, though, because he's the mysterious benefactor who's supposedly like keeping the doors open. But uh, then they're like, oh, it might shut down because we're running out of money. So I, maybe he needs to make better investments. Well, yeah, maybe. So. I mean, he just gives them cash. He's just got some massive yeah. bank account somewhere. Um, well, see, but no, yeah, I you, think he when he wanders the streets, people are just fucking giving him money, you know, because because of his wise teaching. So he he has to go out to collect money that he brings back to the hospital. It is it is possible. I mean, he is he is very avowedly materialist. He will you doesn't seem like the kind of holy man who would turn down a cash donation for for sure. Well, I mean, he's got to have a bunch of nickels to chuck at the hippies, you know. That's that's true. Mm, Goddamn hippies. But yeah, it's um I mean, I think there's some interesting elements within this. Um I always I was also struck by during well, first off, the very Goddardian almost element in this, um, where we go into that uh satanic cult. There's a great scene, it's such an odd thing, and it, you know, immediately puts me in mind of someone like Goddard, kind of a troll at times doing goofy shit just to like remind you you're watching a movie, where uh, Marines just cuts in a voiceover of himself saying, we're about to depict something very potentially upsetting and offensive, and we're going to depict it in great detail, so if you are, you know, anxious or generally easily offended, now's a good time to leave the cinema. Now, he cuts in this voiceover over the actor just standing stationary, like he stops the scene and the actor stands there doing nothing yeah. while they deliver this message, which is interesting. And, and, and then, then the salacious this, material is just some people dancing. <laughs> yeah, the salacious material then appears to be, unless maybe it's caught, who the hell knows. Uh, the, I mean, guess that's possible. Um, it's hard to see anything in this anyway. But yeah, it appears to just be a depiction of as we say, this unspecified Afro-Brazilian uh, religion having a dance and like a kind of couple of people who maybe are possessed of a spirit doing like weird jerky dancing and so on. Um, but it's I think it's an interesting sequence because it cuts around that scene again after we get this warning about, you know, idol tree or something, I guess. So he doesn't warn of anything specifically, but I guess if you were going to be offended by this, I guess you'd have to be a very staunch Christian and this would count as blasphemous content um but it does remind me of say the the uh, strange world of bloody joe the sequence the the lovely middle silent sequence which ends with a ma- uh, balloon seller deformed balloon seller uh, raping a corpse while they intercut to like images of the, the virgin mary and so on um which I'm sure the Catholic Church also wouldn't have been great fans of, nor probably a military occupying force in Brazil. Probably that probably might have put him on a radar or two. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it was an interesting uh, companion piece to that, I suppose, you know, from the, the sacred to the profane, both of them being kind of cut through like that. There's there's some interesting things in this, and I, th- I think this is kind of why I, I quite enjoyed both of these films, I think, because uh, Marines clearly, there's... There is some intelligence working through it. Like he's he's doing things. I'm not sure of the full effect of it in terms of, as I say, these two individual standalone films. You you would have to be very invested, I think, in Marines generally or Brazilian cinema probably to draw a lot of worth out of them. These are, you know, if you were introducing someone to the work of Jose Mojica Marines, you're not going to put on When the Gods Fall Asleep. That's not going to be your intro film by any means. And not just because it looks no. like ass right now. But, you know, I, I think there are, there, there's this kind of strange methodology throughout, and I think uh, an absurdist humor that's he 
plays with that even when you think you have it like the end of this where it turns out the madman is actually maybe not mad at all you know the joke of the first film was he he's mad you know all his entire message is, is ridiculous you know he was an unreliable person but he was mistaken because society is so perverse that we mistook the madman for for a seer but of course Maybe he, maybe he's, the reason he's in the mental hospital is because he's the only sane one, you know, and we play with all that. And then in this movie, you know, he owns the madhouse, he's independently wealthy, maybe he, maybe he knows this is why he's there, maybe he prefers it, maybe he's in control of all of this. Maybe he is the holy seer that we thought he was when he first showed up naked at the beginning of the first film. There's, you know, there's a playfulness to it all that I think is quite fun and entertaining and and i think you know keeps you guessing a little bit these movies are not as fully straightforward as they originally appear and they're very short i'll mm. grant you that but I, sure. i'm still going to allow you to keep this second film because it's uh it's a little too disjointed for me like he like finis omanis is barely in this movie at all like <laughs> it's just it again it, it feels to me like guerrilla filmmaking in many respects in that anytime you're seeing a crowd uh that's like happenstance you know this is like this is filmmaking <laughs> of opportunity i don't think it's i don't think it's stock footage i just think it's stuff he just happened to fucking see and filmed mm-hmm. uh probably related to soccer <laughs> um which again is kind of a, a touchstone for me in this film as well is going from that first movie where he's got the rights to film in this church and there's like this mural that looks fucking insane with this like collared priest is like larger than any of the actual Christian figures. It's just a a wild set. And here it feels like he's trying to do something, but also doesn't really know exactly what he's trying to do. Cause cutting down to this like chalk drawing of things that say like soccer unites the world. That's, it's not profound it doesn't it doesn't read in any way meaningful it's just like what the fuck why are you doing this well i guess he's also here in the good old us of a we don't give a fuck about soccer so uh unite yourselves you you could cut you you could argue that the the joke is that soccer is the materialist religion that we don't need, like, who needs Catholicism when we can all gather in the church of the stadium and watch you a could. game unfold and there's something you could. real. I don't, yeah. I don't ascribe uh, that much intention to this film. Uh, I mean, the question, I wouldn't say that's, I wouldn't say that's particularly profound either, but, uh, you know, within the, the context of the film, I think, you know, there, there's a consistency there. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it is, it is really funny. I think that Brazil is an overwhelmingly Catholic country. And conservative, generally speaking, um, particularly, I'm sure, in the 60s and 70s. And this dude's just making movies. It's just like, nah, fuck it. Get rid of it. (laughs) Over and over again. It's like, it's stupid. It's fucking dumb. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I think we gotta gotta call it a night here, boys, and do our put-overs. So, Jack, what are you putting over this week? You know, I, I'm going to put over, I don't remember what I put over last week, so I can't remember if I put over a uh, new religion last week, but if I did, uh, or if I didn't, uh, new religion's really good. It's a Japanese uh, horror movie um, that, that came out this year, I believe. Um, and you know what, I'm just going to put it over again, because cause I, I don't think I did put it over last time, but it was part crowdfunded, I think. Um, and it's by a guy named Keishi Kondo, and it's about a woman whose daughter dies in a tragic accident, and so she has to go into sex work to make ends meet, and she meets a weird client, and then weird shit starts happening. And it's basically kind of like Kyoshi Kurosawa Cure Pulse era, that kind of thing, but like mixed in with a kind of a Lynchian kind of like aural tapestry particularly like there's all these buzzing noises and this weird texture to the backdrop kind of a weird off-putting upsetting movie really kind of caught me off guard i was at first i felt it was very kind of like oh i get it you know there's there's like moth imagery and you're like oh it's like rebirth and yada yada yada. and and it is that kind of element but it's always a little weirder than you think it's going to be and a little bit more creepy so yeah new religion it is streaming on uh screenbox whatever the fuck that is 
Um, it's not sure, that is in Shudder, I learned. So no, I this just is that thing we watched, that horrible, uh, that horrible uh, found footage movie on. That we paired with oh, Skimmer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We did get that screen yeah. box for a while. You're right. Oh, no, yeah, I've never heard of it. I just thought it was like, screen box, that must be Shudder. Because if, if it weren't, I would have heard of it. But it's got no, like the exact not, same, so. like, thumbnail on your fucking smart TV, too. They look identical. There, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, new religion. Putting that over. It's good. Myros, what are you putting over? Oh, boy, nothing of use. I, I, the, the movie we watched for, uh, that I'm, I'm leaning on to put over these days uh, as I'm knee deep in my script is uh was blade runner which i've i've tried four or five times and i gotta say no matter how hard i try i still don't much like blade runner any i think it's it's, it's just kind of a dull movie uh you need some fucking white guy with glasses to tell you to like watch like the fifth director's which version did you watch this was the final hmm. final yeah. cut was there a unicorn final cut <laughs> Uh, oh, the final cut. Well, obviously, I know. I'm sure it's international cut all the way. No, oh, okay. Wait, is, isn't it like the final cut's not actually the final cut? Isn't that oh, a thing? No, there is, there is now right. a final cut, I think. I think they didn't do anything. A final cut beyond the final cut. You know, this movie cut, I mean, geez, it's not really so, yeah. good enough to demand like seven different cuts, I gotta say. But uh, I'm gonna put over something far more frivolous because I haven't really watched anything else, and that is. Uh, something a recurring series that I always quite enjoy in December, which is uh, ancient YouTuber Ashens uh, does a uh, Advent calendar uh, series, and it is always delightful to see uh, him open complete uh, garbage and get angry. And uh, yeah, I, I I would I would say, you know, if you're an old head YouTuber, you know who Ashens is. It's a man with a brown couch, uh, and. Mm. This series, he does, uh, it, it is an annual tradition for me to, uh, to watch these little short videos every day in December, and it's delightful. Give it a shot. All right. What am I going to put over? Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, getting tasered in the ass first and foremost. You know, try it. Have you done it? Try it out. Uh, number two, I'm going to see the abyss. There's a new, like a 4k restoration that's playing and I'm, I'm going to go see it now. I'm putting it over. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it looks like shit. Maybe they, they did some weird digital crap to it. That's going to make it look like garbage. I don't know. Maybe not. Probably looks great. Probably going to have a great time. Uh, what else can I put over? Uh, oh, there, <laughs> this is fun. Uh, so I, there, I found out that there's a film critic that I've never heard of that was wildly popular on YouTube, and then he just plagiarized everything he ever yeah, did. Yeah, the H-Bomber and, guy. Because uh, I watched the H-Bomber guy video. <laughs> there's, a, there's also a... <laughs> Which is uh, like, that was almost what I put over, but I figured, uh, why? Uh, we'll, we'll leave that. But I, there's also a Todd in the Shadows video that is a sort of companion piece, not dealing with plagiarism, but just every wildly false thing he's claimed in his video essay. So. <laughs> yeah, and I just I just want everybody who knows that listens to the show that we don't we don't plagiarize anything no. because uh, we don't do enough research to even bother plagiarizing and all of the dumb bullshit that spews out of our mouths is entirely our own. So, yeah, and, and not necessarily accurate. Uh, we, we don't uh, claim any authority either. <laughs> no, no. We're no. just small beans no on the internet. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, yeah, anyways, if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor. There's a link to our Patreon in the description. And if you click that, you can give us money. And why would you want to give us money? Well, that'll give you access to our Patreon feed, which has uh, exclusive patron content, both written and podcast form. Uh, maybe there's some plagiarism in there. Who knows? You think anybody copy-pasted like back in like 2017 and just fucking didn't tell us and yeah, just put it in there? Yeah, your grad school cohort seems possible. Seems possible, man. Anything's possible. Like probably, I, I bet. I bet Sean Glynis was uh, taking. He was taking reviews from uh, Crack dot com and just fucking copy and paste and <laughs> shit. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. So you you get access to our Patreon feed. You also, if you live in the continental United States, will get in the mail a free movie from me, a Blu-ray, DVD, a box set of VHS tape. I've sent out all kinds of weird shit. Usually pretty good shit too. Not like the worst stuff. Like this is stuff I actually own. Like. What's the worst thing I own? I don't know. Um, I mean, there's, there's some things on the shelf that maybe aren't great. But anyways, uh, yeah. And if you want to donate at a higher level, you get even more perks. So if you donate at that $5 and above level, 
Well, then you get to vote in polls, and I'm sure we'll have another one coming up soon. Maybe we'll do one in January just to, to kick off the year. And you also get your name read out on the air as an optimism vaccine diehard, a fucking real OG, a fucking just just amazing, incredible, muscular, oiled up, just Adonis. Myra, who are those uh, people? Our patrons who, who managed to stick with us through Yes Not November are uh, David, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. All, yeah, listen, man, I... I God bless y'all. I, I hope you were able to, to nut this past month. Again, I will say, statistically, some of our best performing episodes, but I think that's specifically because uh, leering perverts were searching for yeah, things. Yeah, sure. They, they want to they jack off while they listen to us talk about, like, penises, yeah, I, mean, I guess. I don't a know. little more inside football. We're, we're already laying the plans for next year's November. I mean, this is a thing yeah. now. Inside football? Yeah, is that stop. like an Irish expression? Yeah, inside baseball. Yeah, yeah, no, there's inside football, inside ah. baseball. You can go inside any sport really when you need to. Ah, yeah, that's yeah, that's how it works. Um, yeah, and then also if you have something specific that you want us to cover, you know, we just we just did five movies from the Taboo series. If you want us to do the other twenty eight Taboo films, uh, twenty five dollars. You can dictate an episode and whatever you want, we will do it. We've had uh, a bunch in the past; they've all been great. So. Yeah, there's something you want us to cover. Fucking let us know, man. Give us $25. We'll do it. Now, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the place to send those. Or you can you can tweet at us. You can blue sky at us. You can whatever you want at us. We're on social media. It's optimism vaccine. You can, you'll find it. Just, just go looking. You'll find it. And other than that, we'll be back next week with more Coffin Joe. Hopefully, it's less than it's ominous. <laughs> Thank you.